Yeah. Here we go. Uh, we are speaking to the uh, one and only uh, guitarist uh, Damon Johnson, the new Damon Johnson, and the Get Ready Battle Lessons, available uh, today, in fact. And then by the time you watch this, folks, it will be available. So uh, where can they pick it up, by the way? Is it, uh, if they want physical, if they want a vinyl or a CD, where can they go? Hey there, Mitch. Always good to talk to you, buddy. Yeah. See, I'm so people excited. This, I'm so excited. Dude, it's, it's great, man. Listen, people just need to go to my website, DamonJohnson.com. We are running a tight ship here. Um, generally, we try to turn that stuff around within 24 hours. So, uh, yeah, man, we, we try to make it look uh, professional. And, uh, you know, my wife is working very hard shoving cds and envelopes as we speak <laughs> well, see that's the way that's the way it should be uh you know normally when i do an interview i get all my research done and i throw it up on the screen i didn't do that in this case because we, we've talked about brother kane we've talked about thin lizzie we've talked about all these things so uh i want to talk to you about about this first of all is damon johnson and the get ready a band or is it just sort of the title you went for with battle lessons no, Damon Johnson and the Get Ready is a band, okay. which uh, is my power trio. I never intended to have a trio. I, it's not like I, that was some master plan I had in, in the back of my mind. But uh, a couple of years ago, we just wound up doing a few shows as just the three of us. Uh, I had had uh, another friend of mine on second guitar uh, when I put out Memoirs of an Uprising two years ago. And... Uh, I don't know how else to describe it, Mitch, other than to say there was something very freeing about it. I felt like I had total control over the dynamics of the show. Um, you know, look, man, I nobody likes to go to a bombastic rock and roll show more than me. I've certainly been a part of performing those kinds of shows. But I know that music fans will enjoy these songs and appreciate the quality of, quality of these songs if they can hear them. And we're not just bashing them over the head. And instantly, um, I think really the first proper run we did as a trio was uh, we supported Clutch at the end of the year in 2019. And then we went out with UFO in February of, uh, of 2020, Mitch, right before the pandemic. And man, it was... It was incredible. It was incredible. The reaction from the audience was great. The reaction from, you know, the headlining band and their people, it just, something happened. And I kind of made the decision then that I wanted to just kind of go forward as a, as a trio. Well, it's, it's a wise decision. Uh, talk to me just real quick about reinventing yourself. You, you start off, of course, with Brother Kane. It has success in the 90s. The success comes to a, you know, it, it slows down because of all, you know, different factors. You head off to Thin Lizzy, you head off to Alice Cooper, you head off to all these other bands. Um, talk to me about sort of reinventing yourself as uh, Damon Johnson and the Get Ready because the, the careers are sort of always moving forward and you're not one of these guys that lives in the past and says, ah, oh, it's Damon Johnson's brother Kane, one original member, <laughs> you know? That makes me think of my time with the great John Waite. I think you and I've talked about John. You're, you're a fan as well as I am. But John always was pushing for me to put brother, you know, like you need to call it Brother Kane, Damon. That's what people know you from. It had some success. And I'm not going to deny that that's always been 
not anymore, but certainly like the early 2000s, that was something kind of tugging at me. Well, like maybe that's what I should do. I have friends in other bands, Mitch, that were in, had success in the 90s. They still go out and tour. There's one original guy in the band. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. No, but. listen, when you work hard to get a brand, you should be allowed to use it without somebody saying, oh, it's only one guy. No, you should be allowed to be whatever. Right, right. One hundred percent, man. Um, I lost. Yeah, there you are. Sorry. Yeah, you're still here. I've, I've got to learn to, I guess, put my phone on do not disturb because <laughs> people are calling. Um, yeah. And. I'll try to, you know, I guess the compact version of that story is after Brother Kane, I was exhausted. I felt like I'd been carrying the bulk of the load because it was, you know, I had to write the songs. I had to do the interviews. I had to sing every night. I couldn't be out, you know, living like a rock star because I had to go to bed every night and take care of myself. And by the way, my marriage and everybody else's marriage in the band was in the toilet at the end of that band because we'd been on the road for seven years solid. So um, I just wasn't thinking about fronting a band anymore. I did a couple things at, at home in Birmingham and for fun, but nothing that I was really like, all right, we're going after it. Here we go. Alice Cooper called. I got that gig. That was fun. It was beyond fun, Mitch. You know, I got to dress up. I got to play songs that are some of the greatest rock songs of all time. I got to play it with a guy that was so totally comfortable in his own skin and um, and then, you know, I did that for five years, man. And then that, you know, Thin Lizzy came after that. And that was a childhood, I won't say dream come true, because I would have never fathomed that that would be possible. So all that time, man, I was still enjoying just being a guitar player and not feeling that pressure of having to make the decisions. The game changer was Black Star Writers. Writing songs with Ricky, who I love who I know you love as well. One of well. the greatest singers. One of the greats. I was not prepared. I wasn't expecting. I never anticipated the collaboration that he and I had. And it was a pure joy. It was so much fun to write with him. I learned a lot from Ricky. Um, his work ethic and I, you know, we our work ethics mirror each other. You know, we're not... You know, we, we we don't mess around, man. You know, we got families and we want to work hard and do the best job we can. So uh, we certainly made three quality records together. And I think it was while Heavy Fire, the, th the third and, and, and last record I did with them, I think that's when the wheels started spinning for me. Like, well, maybe, maybe I should get back behind the mic and start telling my truth, you know, um, writing my songs again. Um, I knew that I could go out and still perform the Brother Kane songs. It, there's entertainment value in a tip of the hat to Thin Lizzy or Alice Cooper playing one of those songs. And, um, you know, just several things started working together and pushing me in that direction. But it, I don't think I would be a solo artist had it not been for Black Star Writers. And on paper, somebody may go, oh, that was a bad experience. So he was like, forget it. I'm just going to go solo. Quite the contrary. It was amazing. It was incredible. It was such a learning experience. And to, you know, to work in the studio with Scott Gorham, my hero, a legend, uh, it just boosted my confidence, right. Mitch. You know, my ability to arrange, my ability to 
just kind of direct the band. It was, I just felt like those muscles uh, kind of returned and, and, and right. I wanted to, to exercise that again. And, and part of the reality that people have to understand is that Black Star Raider Riders is pretty much a European band. And so for you to go play with them, you got to get on a plane from Tennessee and fly over. And it's not always easy to just always be the guy being flown in for economic reasons, for, for physical, re for whatever reason. So yeah, it certainly wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Um, but still great albums, great, great guys. It doesn't change that. Oh, the best man, the best, you know, I keep in touch with all those guys and, you know, they've been super supportive of, of everything I'm doing. And, and, you know, they're all pretty knocked out with, with this Battle Lessons record. They can tell that I've taken a big step forward. Yeah. Uh, this record's very productive, Mitch, for whatever I set out to do three years ago. This is, I, I wouldn't have expected I could make a record this good, you know, th uh, three years after going solo. Well, you, really, always make, really you always make great records. But let me ask you, ask you about this, because you're in situations where there's a lot of guys on stage. Thin Lizzy, you know, five guys, two guitars. Alice Cooper, depending on the, on the week, three guitars, two guitars, depends. Uh, what's it like for you to strip it back and really just be the one guy on there in the trio and not have that big sort of sound and not be able to, you know, say, hey, you know what, tonight I'm not feeling well, you play a bit louder, you know? You know, what's it like yeah. to, to, to really sort of change that the sonics of what you're doing? That's a great question. I have had uh, another unique set of experiences in that I've done a substantial amount of solo acoustic performances over the last couple of decades, Mitch, and those have been really fulfilling for me. There is, uh, I think I became a better singer specifically from those kinds of shows. I got more confident with presenting a show because listen, man, whether you're playing to 10 people or 10,000, you know, there has to be, you got to entertain these people. You, you not only want to keep their attention, you'd like for them to come back the next time you come through town. You know how you or do that? You cut out all the drum solos. <laughs> well, that, hey, that's the key what? right there. It's no, I, no drum solos. You know what? It's, it's interesting you said that because my drummer, Jared, he's not a fan of the drum solo. He's oh. never one time said, hey, man, what do you think? I should maybe let's do a solo between uh, Got No Shame and the boys are back in town. Well, a jam is different, happened. but solos, but yeah. No, but I mean, yeah. it, it is it, it is different because now you've got nobody else to sort of back you up. And doing the acoustic thing is certainly one thing, but but doing a rock record as a trio, um, how how has that been? I mean, is it exciting? Yeah, it's been amazing. And you're going to find this very interesting. And it's not going to surprise you because you and I saw each other when I came through Canada a couple of years ago and did a yep. and did three or four shows acoustic. And I was actually wearing that t-shirt yesterday and I went, oh, I <laughs> worn it tomorrow. <laughs> well, Mitch... I think it's like in the laundry G basket right here. Oh. When, G when Jared and Robbie and I go out and play shows as a trio, more times than not, there's no road crew. There's no sound man. There's no tour manager. There's no merch guy. There's no one. It's the three of us. I've got, I've got one of those big American uh, SUVs, this giant GMC that's got a few miles on it. But man, we can fit all of our gear in there. We can a couple boxes of shirts and CDs, and we go. That's how we toured with Clutch. That's how we toured with UFO. You know, you advance the dates. 
make some friends when you get their day of show. You just figure it out, man. And we operate more efficiently than any band you've ever talked to or seen live. And there's something empowering about that, Mitch. There's no question we want to grow this thing. There's no doubt we'd love to get to a place to where we can take a bus. And we do bring a couple of guys. And, you know, maybe we can, you know, get a little more sleep than than we're able to get when we're, you know, you know, loading in, loading out and driving between shows. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah, There's no question we would love to do that. But I don't know, man, there's something there's something inspired about that approach. Uh, I taught I remember when we opened for Clutch in Philadelphia, the promoter, you know, when I went to settle up with him after the show, he was just blown away. I mean, he loved the music, but he was more blown away with our business model. He's like, man, you guys are unstoppable. He goes, you showed up on time. You had all the gear there ready. I saw you out there selling T-shirts by yourself. <laughs> you know, um, it's been incredible, man. And I, I just feel like the fans see that. They recognize that. The fans know that I'm not, I'm not phoning anything in. I'm not showing up looking for extra credit or special treatment because i have some sort of resume that looks good on a wikipedia page we got to earn it it does we have to listen i i opened up your wikipedia page just now it looks fantastic look at this yeah it's pretty (laughs) it's pretty good good. sammy hager marching to mars uh, damn yankees bravos i mean faith hill no uh jokes aside though how do you grow a band like this because you grew brother kane but you had radio you had a you had the publicist. You had the machine behind you. Alice Cooper, you don't have to grow because it's Alice Cooper. Uh, Black Star Riders, you grew, but in Europe, not really in North America, which is unfortunate. Great band. How do you get to that next level? Because right now, COVID notwithstanding, it's it's difficult because COVID sort of what night... All the clubs that you might want to play when it opens may not exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no question, man. It's going to be a challenge. Well... There's a two-part answer to that. One is you're going to have to work very hard. If I was not committed to working hard, we would never be able to grow this thing because there's no there's no platform anymore, Mitch. There's, and there's no magic there's, wand. There's, there's no magic wand. There's not even really a subculture for rock music anymore. It is so niche now. It's, you mm-hmm. know, you don't get to borrow fans from other bands really anymore. Um you know, you just got to get in front of people. The second part to that answer is my firecracker team working behind the scenes now, which is my manager and my agent, which, by the way, I did not have when I saw you in Canada that time for those acoustic shows. That's right. It's been super productive for me, for me, Mitch. They see the work. They see the trio. They see the specialness of it. They hear the entertainment value of what we're doing. Man, those guys are busting it mitch pitching us for every support slot under the sun again man think about it that's the great thing about a trio you know we may get a call from sammy hagar's management or his agent and they say well yeah we got these 10 shows but there's no you they always say that there's not there's not much money in the budget for the support act our response is going to be, we don't care. We'll be there. <laughs> we just need the uh, catering tickets. That's all. Well, listen, man, I know if there are, you know, 2,000, 3,000, whatever, Sammy Hagar fans in an audience, and I step on that stage with my rhythm section, and we play 40 minutes of music, 
they're going to leave the show that night, Damon Johnson and the Get Ready fans, period. No, unquestioned. They, they're just I going agree. to. I agree. And they're going to sell a bunch of T-shirts and you're going to sell a yeah, bunch man. of CDs. And then we drive to the next town and we do it again. And then guess what? Some of those people are going to get on board and they're going to become fans for life and they're going to buy the next album and the one after that. And they're going to come see us the next time we come through town by ourselves or whatever. It's it's an old school approach, man. But look, it's the only thing that any of us can do. Any of us can do. I talked to Rachel Boland, my buddy from Skid Row, and he's like, man, we were so lucky that we came out when we did. And there was MTV and there was all this infrastructure, you know, that just doesn't exist anymore. Uh, because he's heard my record and he's blown away. He's like, well, man, this is the best thing you've ever done. And he goes, I know it's going to be tough. You're going to have to. I'll, I'll you tell know. you what, though. I, I'm going to say uh, the contrary to Rachel. I'm going to say there's too much infrastructure right now. Back then, you turned on MTV because that's, that's all there was. You know, now well, there's MTV and Spotify and YouTube and this and the Internet and podcasts. And, and it's hard to find a fan because they're divided by. 600 things out there there's there's probably too much infrastructure well yeah and i think the word that's even to more to your point is they're distracted they're just distracted by so much stuff and you know that's why today was a big day mitch we my my little team again we channeled everything into okay february 19th we're gonna have all this press in the can we set it up at digital damon's got the I got the physical CDs. And then the journalist right writes down the wrong time. Ugh. I got I got the box of physical CDs right here, Mitch. There oh, it is. It looks nice. so good. I need um, one of those. I'm going to get one of those. And the vinyl the vinyl should be showing up pretty soon, too. But, you know, man, we just timed everything to, to where we're ready. And, man, the only thing we need is an audience to play for. And yep. uh, so, all, the, the three of us are we're signed up waiting in line to get the vaccine and we're ready. We want to get it done and we want to and, get and back. You to want work. to get out there. Well, you can always go tour Florida. They're, they're wide open, but uh, um, <laughs> let me ask you about rebuilding and rebuilding. At some point, does it get frustrating, you know, to be at this career and be three guys out on the road and not say, Hey, why am I not, you know, a theater act with 3000. Like, at some point you just sort of say, Listen, I gave it my best shot, and, and I'm done. Just forget it. You know, why not just go, ah, I'm going to go uh, work at the Ralph's on Sunset? <laughs> well. Is there a Ralph on I, Sunset, by the way? I have I'm no a, idea. There is, a, there is a Ralph's on Sunset. I'm a fan of Ralph's. Me too. Um, and I'm a fan of working in a grocery store. That's what I did all through high school and junior college. But I think I felt more of what you described, actually, when I was in Black Star Riders. I did give it 100%. They had total control of my calendar and my time and my focus and my talent and my songwriting and everything. On paper, man, it almost looked unstoppable. You got Scott Gorham in the band. We're going to play these Thin Lizzy songs. We, and the songs are great. Yeah, man. The UK press was on our side. And we just could not move the needle beyond a certain point. Yeah. And I did feel exactly what you just said. I was like, man. I wasn't going to take, I've, you know, this is not, this is not happening. So I had to change my philosophy, Mitch. I had to change my philosophy. You can't look at it like, oh, I got to put a band together and we got to build it to where we can sell 5,000 tickets a night and everybody's making half a million dollars a year. That's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen anymore. That ship is sailed. Those times are over. It's not going to be that. So you got to readjust and go, okay, do I still want to continue as an artist if 
these are the 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 watermarks or 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 the the measurements that we can achieve and the answer for me was yes you know i've got the support of an amazing family um you know they want me to keep following my bliss uh listen if there's ever been a time for any of us to think about doing something else mitch it was 2020 uh it was i'm not i'm not gonna lie i thought about it i talked it over with my wife you know my inner circle of friends like well maybe this is a sign maybe Maybe the universe is telling me, listen, Damon, you've had a great run. That Wikipedia page is going to be there forever, (laughs) you know, but no, man, I love to write songs too much. I love to record. I love to play music with, with a great band like the get ready and, and work with producers like Nick. And so, um, I'm going to carry on Mitch. And was the, was the the sign a, a, a Ralph's application form on the fridge door? Was that the sign? Well, I'll tell you this, man. You'll love this. The sign was my my son Gabriel. Right. He's six. He's sixteen. Well, his best friend works at the grocery store here. Is called Publix. He works at Publix, and you know, man, he's knocking out three or four hundred bucks a week. And you know, I was talking to Gabriel like, well, hey, man, maybe I need to just go back to the grocery <laughs> store and you know, let's uh, let's yeah. see. Cause, Stock cause the meat shelf. Totally, man, because look, I have experience there. Like I said, I mean, <laughs> sooner or later, the guy that manages the store is going to take note and he's going to go, wow, this Damon Johnson guy is killing it. Look at look at what that display of, you know, pinto beans looks like, you know. <laughs> I don't know uh, uh, jokes aside, though, uh, talk to me real quick about musical, uh, the, the musicality, because when you listen to Brother Kane and you listen to the other stuff you've put out, uh, they're all similar but different. I mean, Brother Kane and, and this is not exactly the same, obviously, but it's, you know, it's bass, guitar, it's drum, it's powerful vocal, it's a, it's a great songwriting message. Uh, so so there is some similarities. Uh, talk to me about not being one of these artists that every time you sort of reinvent yourself, it's like, oh, now I'm doing, you know, e, 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 whatever, uh, EMD or EDM, is what I'm trying to say. You know, yeah. you, you stay true to, to the music. You don't really start throwing out loops and this and that and you're not reinventing yourself musically no that's a great point mitch i just love that music too much you know it's too much ingrained in my dna uh it's the stuff that inspires me uh i've said it in a lot of the interviews i've done lately that this album celebrates my influences more than any i've ever made uh, particularly the the bands that i was so obsessed with in you know when i was 19 and 20 Um, I just, you know, that's, that's what speaks to me. It's kind of like expecting, you know, Joe Bonamassa not to play blues music. That's just, you know, that's what has, that's the stuff that changed his life and that set him on his path. Rock and hard rock is what did it for me. Um, now I feel like I'm at a place where I'm a lot more certainly experienced, but more so, I just feel kind of fearless, Mitch. Songwriting is a joy for me now. It used to be hard work. It used to be tough. I used to kind of dread it. Um, not anymore. Um, you know, most of these songs, I talked to you last time about my friend Jim Troglin. Uh, you know, I'm Brian Adams and he's Jim Valance. You know what I mean? And uh, so... Oh, you know, I know that to... reference. That's a good Canadian reference. It's a good one. Yeah, man. But speaking that's... about that, just real quick, though, because you've got Dame, uh, De- Desmond Child that lives not too far from you down there. Uh, have you ever thought of just being that songwriter guy that sits at home and sends it out and have Faith Hill or John Waite 
just record your stuff and you just sort of sit back and go, let the money come on in? I thought about it a little bit, uh, you know, right after we first moved here in 2013. Um, you know, I talked to some friends and there's no question that I could have kind of, you know, you sort of have to put your, you have to point your car in a different direction. You know, all of a sudden it's more about, you know, putting in, you know, at least three or four days a week, you're downtown in Nashville, you're in these writing rooms and it's two other writers or three other writers. And you just, you know, man, look, I, no disrespect to any of those guys. I mean, uh, some of those, some of those guys are killing it. Um, it just never appealed to me. Mitch. No? So, I, so you I, don't write I, a song I, for battle lessons and go, you know, if Aerosmith sang this, this would sound great <laughs> with Steven's voice. Well, yeah, that's different though. You know, <laughs> That's different. I could write songs for Aerosmith all day, easy. But I'm not interested in you know them saying, well, here's the flavor of the month, young country singer. And this is what all the other songs at country radio sound like. We need 10 songs like that. Right, you can't That's, be a stock writer. You, you gotta, okay. It's just, it doesn't appeal to me. I, Mitch, I still have these discussions with both of my parents. And they still say, well, David, you're in Nashville and you're such a you're so affable and you can make friends with anybody from Blake Shelton to Dolly Parton to, you know, Garth Brooks. You could write songs with all those people. I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> I, listen, I just made the most badass rock record of my life, Mitch. It's so good. And if I if I did entertain any more of those thoughts of, of just being kind of a staff writer or or, or a, you know pitching songs here in town, that ship is sailed now for sure because of battle lessons. Battle lessons is like, okay, man, there's no turning back. This is it. My kids know. We talk about it at the dinner table. My wife Linda, this is the path Damon is on from here on out. Yes, I'm still a part of Thin Lizzy. There's a little chatter going on, you know. Uh, you know, there may be some festival dates towards the end of, of this year, even, um, you know, a lot of things have to, to land on that, but Scott Gorham knows if he wants to go play, I'd love to come and play with him and he can count on me. Uh, and it's great because okay. as you know, it's only going to be a handful of shows. Nobody's going to be on the road for 10 weeks at a time anymore. Yeah. And, and it'll be the big festivals and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap, start wrapping up on this, but you did, you did sort of get away from the hard rock stuff with Whiskey Falls, more of a country thing. Is that sort of, I got it out of my system and it's done, or is that a style you still want to explore down the road? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not into exploring that style. That was a one-off. Um, you know, that was a really special group. I mean, they had a lot of great songs already when I, when they reached out to me to see if I'd be interested. I was impressed. And a lot of things on paper, Mitch, in a way, kind of like Black Star Writers. It looked like a no-brainer. Like, wow, there's no way that this cannot succeed. Right, especially in the States. I mean, a country record in the States, especially in 2007 when it was exploding. Yeah, yeah. We had everything we needed, man. And, uh, you know, again, uh, circumstances and just a couple things, a couple breaks that we needed just didn't fall our way. And. You know, we probably should have all lived here in Nashville. That was another issue. You know, we had two guys out in California and two back oh, here. You can't have country rockers out in California. What, what are they no, doing? What, what are they doing? What a no, mistake! Exactly, exactly. <sighs> so, yeah, man, I'm. I, you know, I'm not making any country records. I love to play 
you know, I love to sit in and jam with my friends that do that. And uh, as a matter of fact, I, I played on a friend's uh, demo just recently. It's a country song. You know, you wanted a guitar part. And I said, yeah, man, send it to me. I'll, I'll work it out. But, um, you know, I'm looking to promote this record for certainly for the next month. And there's going to come a shift where it's like, all right, this is off my desk. Let's write some more songs. And, uh, you know, um, I, you know, I, I have every intention to look, if we can't get back to work by the summer, come on, Mitch, I'll have a new record by the fall. It might be out before the end of Good. the year, <laughs> Good. you know, cause it's like, what else are you going to do, man? I'm a, if you're a songwriter, you write songs, right? If you're an, if you're really an artist, you create and you tour. So, so. that's right, man. So if I can't tour, then I'm going to keep creating. I'm going to keep writing songs. Well, right now, you can probably uh, play shows in uh, like uh, Texas, South Dakota, and Florida. So you've got you've got <laughs> you've got routing. Oh well, my lord! You know, the, 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 Sturgis, here I come. Hey man, there's a, there's some good stuff. You know, good conversations starting to happen. There's some some of these smaller promoters are starting to set up some socially distanced things and some outdoor shows. And you know, again, the Get Ready is the perfect band for that because we can. Yeah. We can move in easy. We don't we don't take up a lot of space. You can be socially distanced on the stage, which is perfect. That's but, right, man. But, but I'll, I'll make... give you this hope. Sorry to cut you. I'll give you this hope. Uh, I was reading the Wall Street Journal today, and they said that COVID uh, is down by 77% in the last six weeks. And they said that wow. probably by April, uh, the United States will have achieved herd immunity. So... Now that's wow. that. I'll I'll send you that link later. Now that to me April seems a little short, but that certainly gives me hope for June, or July, or August. Listen, if they're saying it's... April, I'm betting September, and I'm good to go. Please send me that link. I'm surprised that I haven't seen that because yeah. that's obviously the kind of stuff we're we're looking for on a on Wall, a daily basis. Wall Street um, Journal from today. I'll I'll send you that link as soon as we're done. You read that and you go, ah, oh. because first of all, it's the Wall Street Journal. It's not some hokey pokey facebook link and you go okay i'm listening and yeah you're just like oh maybe august because um down the street here in malone new york which you know about 40 minutes from me they announced lou graham on uh in august and i was like oh i've got to go to that <laughs> please please <laughs> <laughs> so i read this article and i went oh maybe this is Maybe good. Maybe it's going to happen. Maybe it's going to happen. Great. But what has happened is Damon Johnson, the Get Ready Battle Lessons. Uh, it is out. Uh, buy it now. And uh, just always a good time. These these records, they never get old. The last one was great. And uh should have worn the shirt today, not yesterday. But uh, <laughs> as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. And I, and I will send you that link because I'm telling you, it will pull a smile on your face. It'll be like, ah, there is hope. And that's all we're yes. asking for. That's what, that's what we're asking for, Mitch, is some hope. Listen, brother, thank you always yep. for having me on. Yep. Uh, you you are as experienced and talented at what you do as I am at what I do. So uh, thank you so much, brother. And uh, obviously, to get to come to Canada, to Canada and do a run is an absolute goal. And uh, Yeah, those were fun, fantastic. those three shows, especially that one out uh, by your uh, by your friend Rick there in Cornwall. That was a great little, that was a great night. Yeah, man, Cornwall. That was Corn a, Cornwall. that's a great place to rip it up. We we had a great time there. And night. by the Good way, job. those bars opened up yesterday. They're officially oh, really? open. Yep, they're open as of yesterday, eleven to eleven each day. So, great, baby steps. <laughs> baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Later, Cheers, okay, Mitch. Thank you so much. See you.